When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Matt Perino here with Ryan Talbot in living color. Uh, we got the camera working, which is a <laughs> uh, exciting development here. But we are on our game. We have a lot to get to tonight on the latest episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Right before we started here, I dropped my first 53-man roster projection uh, on the eve of rookie minicamp. That's going to be on Friday. So we're, we're going to go through the 53-man. We're going to talk uh, some schedule stuff. Uh, I put out my AFC uh, power rankings today, which got uh, everybody talking a little bit on social media. We can dive into that a little bit, too. Yeah, Ryan, we got we got a ton to talk about. Uh, I, I'm excited. Never a dull moment. And, and you're right. Plenty to talk about. 53-man roster projections. Uh, tomorrow's a big day in the NFL with the, the schedule release. Obviously, there will be some leaks throughout the day. Uh, definitely more credible leaks than what we've seen here leading up to this week from those uh, NFL schedule leak uh, profiles on social media. So looking forward to that. And then, like you said, rookie minicamp I saw. Uh, some of the undrafted free agents already posting that they're in Buffalo. They seem pretty excited. And, you know, obviously that means we're getting a little bit closer to actual football. So I think the Bills Mafia is pretty excited too, Matt. Yeah, we'll preview Rookie Minicamp a little bit, what we're looking for. Uh, we'll actually have two shows this week. So we're going to have this show here tonight, um, and then we're going to have another show on Friday where we're going to react to the schedule, and we're also going to recap uh, Rookie Minicamp. We'll get to go out to practice. Super excited. We'll get to hear from Sean McDermott, and then we'll get to uh, talk to some players after practice. So it's all systems go. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to feel a lot like old times. I- I'm super excited to have actual football where – all the COVID protocols are gone and we can kind of get back to doing this thing uh, the way that we always do next week, a little bit of housekeeping, Ryan Talbot uh, Wednesday show next week is going to be jam packed. I'm super excited. Remember we did the, um, the shout contest with the billboard. Yes. So that was awesome. Uh, we had so many submissions. People went out to the billboard, took a selfie, sent them in. We did a contest and one of the prizes, the grand one of the grand prizes was to come on and do an episode of the show. Well, Mr. Michael uh, at Mr. Michael twenty one on Twitter, uh, b- big supporter of the show, always supports all of our content. He is going to be on the show next Wednesday night, and also Big M- Bill's Mafia favorite brother Bill. We're finally going to have him on the show. Uh, I've been working on this for a while. We've we've tried to get a date that works out uh, in the midst of all the chaos of the offseason. So I'm excited. A couple, it, it's going to be a, a little bit of a different show next week, and I'm excited to kind of change it up a little bit. Yeah, it's always fun to, to bring in uh, some different perspectives, do something a little bit different. Uh, we appreciated the support during the billboard contest, so it'll be great to have Mr. Michael in. And, and then brother Bill, we'll have to have some Pepsi uh, next Wednesday night for sure. 
<laughs> All right, Ryan Talbot. So did you, you run through my uh, 53-man roster projection? I did. No, I'm saying, you know, you and I, you can tell we've been working together for a long time. Uh, I'm trying to find some holes in this thing, and, and I'm having some difficulty. But I think we can have some good conversation along the way, nonetheless. Yeah, we'll go through some of it and some of my logic and why uh, a few people that were maybe on the cusp of making the roster, or maybe some people that, you know, you thought might make the roster, why I went the direction that I did. I mean, two off the off the jump that people I think took issue with were Jay Kumaro and Reggie Gilliam as being cuts. The reason I think that that's the case is, listen, could Reggie Gilliam make the roster over Tommy Sweeney? Sure. Uh, are there question marks about Tommy Sweeney? Of course. I mean, he, he wasn't very good last year, but I, I'm going back. I'm, I'm dipping into the history books a little bit with Sweeney. And what he did as a rookie, that's still there. He went through a lot his second season. And this is a regime that really likes to give guys the opportunity to develop. I think this is a very important offseason for Tom Sweeney. If he comes in in the uh, in, in the spring and in the summer, asserts himself and proves to be that well-rounded guy. I mean, for a, while, a long time, Ryan, Tommy Sweeney is supposed to be the heir apparent to Tommy or to Lee Smith, a guy that can you know be a good blocker, but also maybe add even a little bit more as a pass catcher, that kind of versatile tight end, uh, that if he could kind of do that, I think he makes the team. But I think Gilliam and Kumaro are guys that, you know, a, you won't be heartbroken in Kumaro's case if he's signed elsewhere because it's already happened with him before and he made his way back. And then with Gilliam, I think, you know, teams don't value fullbacks the way most teams don't, the way the Bills do. I think they get back on the practice squad. Yeah, no, all that logic makes sense. It's a big year for Tommy Sweeney. I remember when he first came out in the draft, I believe it was Mel Kuyper after the draft was over talking about how Sweeney was his favorite day three pick of all the picks in the draft. Uh, he, he loved the blocking. He loved the ability to catch the ball. Obviously, uh, he, he missed some time due to COVID. He's, he had some issues health-wise. He didn't have much of a year last year. Uh, but the pressure's on because it's not just Reggie Gilliam who – can be that H back, can be the fullback tight end type of role hybrid type of player. Uh, there's Jalen Weidermeyer, who is an undrafted free agent that they brought in. And then there's Quentin Morris. Uh, a lot of, you know, people forget about Quentin Morris. He was actually active one or two games last year on the 53 man roster when he was elevated from the practice squad. They see something there in, in the talent. Uh, so Sweeney has multiple players vying for that job. That was one spot where I sat there and I said, okay, I, I like the Sweeney addition to the roster, uh, but but that one is definitely up for grabs, and there's going to be at least three players there fighting for that number three tight end job. Uh, if you want to follow along with us uh, and maybe look at some of the things that I wrote or just have the kind of blueprint in front of you, head over to Syracuse.com. I'll actually put the link to the 53-man in the description. But Chris brings up a really good point here on YouTube that he thinks Gilliam could make the team not have anything to do with Tommy Sweeney. And sure, that's that's definitely possible. I had the Bills keeping 10 offensive linemen, which I think there's a, definitely a scenario where they keep nine. But check out this scenario, which I think is likely in what I meant about, you know, putting Gilliam on the practice squad and being comfortable with that. They can roster 10 guys out of camp. Ike Bucker, where's he going to be as he comes back from his torn Achilles? If they feel like they're going to have to place him on the injured reserve list to start the season, they're going to have to roster him and then place him on the IR if they want to get him back in 2022. So you just play, you just kind of do a handshake agreement with Reggie Gilliam and say, Hey, let's get us to uh, the regular season. Let us get this 53 there. We'll, we'll release you. We'll bring you right back. And that's how he lands in the 53. 
Yeah, that's certainly a possibility. And, and listen, one other thing that fans have to keep in mind is none of us know exactly what wrinkles or differences Ken Dorsey's offense is going to have versus what Brian Dable has had over the past few years. We know what Dable like personnel wise in terms of how many receivers, how many running backs, how many uh, the fact that they carried a, a fullback in general. So for all we know, tight end could be more valued. So that could be something where there's clearly three. Uh, maybe fullback isn't part of the equation there. It, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a few minor changes, in my opinion, between what Dorsey's trying to do compared to what Brian Dable has done over the past few seasons. Give me a move that. Is there something that stands out from this this uh, exercise where you you took issue with? I know that we, you know you mentioned we worked together a long time. We have a lot of the same thoughts. Is there something that stuck out and said, "I can see this going a different way"? Well, it's the wide receiver room. I, I really don't know how the bottom of that receiver room shakes out. Obviously, you have Diggs, you have Davis, you have Jamison Crowder, you have Khalil Shakir. I, all those guys I should be pretty safe. Obviously, Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, but but then, you know, who's that last guy? And you had it being Stevenson, Marquez Stevenson. If he takes that next step, that logical next step, then, yeah, he he makes sense. But uh, remember the excitement around Isaiah Hodgins a few years ago? There were people, there were draft analysts saying you could have flipped the Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis picks. And, and I'm sure some of those uh, should probably go to old takes exposed at this point based on the way Gabriel <laughs> Davis has played. But there, there were some people who believed that and that Isaiah Hodgins was going to be this, um, you know, low-key great addition to this team. And it hasn't happened yet. But maybe this is the year that he shows that he belongs in that roster. We've talked about the value that Kumaro brings, special teams. Um, you know, he hasn't done a ton offensively, but there's a lot to like about his game too. And, and then there could always be a surprise. You know, you, you look at some of the names on that list, that cut list. Tanner Gentry, he's been here for a while. He knows Josh Allen. There's always going to be the, you know, these undrafted guys, though, too. And they've brought in quite a few. There's always that feel-good story. Maybe one of those guys steps up as well. I, I just feel that the wide receiver position, that last spot is up for grabs. Yeah, and Jessica mentions it here. The Bills did carry seven wide receivers last year. And that, you know, that is always a possibility. I I'm not. You know, I could see a scenario where, you know, maybe they go in with five linebackers if somebody really pops for them. I mean, somebody made a, uh, the case uh, on Twitter that uh, Balin uh, Specter uh, makes the roster with uh, Terrell Bernard and maybe Tyrell Dotson and maybe Andre Smith doesn't make the roster or some kind of collection like that where it just ends up being, uh, you know, five uh, linebackers. Tyler Medikevich, the Bills could save $3 million if they move on mm. from him. They may need that $3 million. Uh, as they get closer to the season as kind of, you know, you know, spending money, if you will. This is going to be a, a, a super huge summer to watch. And listen, you're going to be able to watch. You're going to go out to Rochester. You're going to watch all of these camp battles play out in front of your eyes. Do not leave your seat when the special teams portions of practice happen because those are going to be important battles, Ryan, that, you know, to, to unseat a guy like Tyler Medikevich, as much as he's meant to the special teams unit over the last couple of years, really good depth at the linebacker position. I thought he played good in, in preseason last year. If they have to rely on him, maybe they feel like they can. You need somebody to stand out if you're willing to kind of cut somebody. And that is more to the point of Gilliam probably making the roster. And again, this is just an exercise where we kind of go through a couple of these a year. I'm a huge Reggie Gilliam fan. The versatility, what Chris mentions, the, the way that he can do so many different things, he can be a tight end in a pinch. You know, the Bills value that. I just think that there's scenarios where 
you know, we've seen it in the past, like Dean Marlowe a couple of years ago when they said, here you go, let's shake hands, Taiwan Jones, you're cut, but really we're bringing you back in, the, in a minute here. Yeah, and linebacker was the next logical area to talk about, Matt, because uh, we've talked about these special teams guys, the Tyler Matikevich, the Andre Smith. Uh, people forget that they traded for Andre Smith. They cut him so they didn't have to give the trade compensation because it was based on a conditional pick. Then they re-signed the guy. They liked him enough. They've kept him around these last few years. I think his roster spot is far from safe. I think Dodson obviously is battling with the third-round pick, Bernard. So I, I think there could be a shakeup there, too. And it might just be someone, Matt, that's not even on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some good linebackers that are released between now and September when, when the games uh, get started. Some guys that the, the Bills coaching staff says, hey, these guys are a really good fit for our system. Uh, these are guys that can come in and be a potential impact player. Uh, There's still, you know, veterans out there currently that they might say, if we can get them in at X dollars, because they are up up against the cap to a certain extent, then let's bring them in too to compete. So uh, I think the linebacker spot of all the defensive positions, uh, that's the most wide open right now. And I, I think that's because there's also guys that aren't currently on this roster that could be vying for spots where, you know, maybe we can transition to, to defensive line next, you had nine guys on there, and, and when you looked at that top nine, it, it's hard to knock any of them off of that list, correct? At least in my opinion. For sure. And let me set this up a little bit better uh, as we go through. Uh, I have at linebacker, we're just talking about that, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dotson, Andre Smith, and Medikevich making the roster uh, at six players, and uh, probably Specter being the last one out. Uh, Giles Harris and Mark Lee, I think they're going to be great camp battles there at the end. They were both pretty good. Uh, Giles Harris more so in camp last year. Lee was, uh, I think he had about with COVID, missing time, uh, and then ended up getting cut. But yeah, the, the the defensive line, I have the nine making it. Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa, and Shaq Lawson at end. Uh, and then Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, and Tim Settle uh, at tackle. And I think what I wrote was, I think they're going to give every opportunity in year three to AJ Epinesa to not only earn a roster spot, but to earn like meaningful playing time. I mean, if you talk about the highs of his really, really good play over the last two years, it's a very, very small sample size, but there's something to really build on there. If, if he has the kind of off season, I think they're hoping for him to have, I think he's going to be in the mix in terms of the rotation, but I think Boogie Basham is coming uh, for serious playing time. I think Shaq Lawson, if he's any version of the guy that w- that he was in 2019, and that's a question. I don't think he was great with the Jets last year. I think he has work to do for him to prove that he can be relied upon as part of the rotation. You know, then you got your five. Uh, The Bills did carry nine defensive uh, linemen, uh, I believe, to start the season. I have to go back and look at that. But then you got the four interior players, which I think that's pretty much a lock. I think Eli Anku, you can get him back on the practice squad. But yeah, that nine, if they if they want to go with eight, maybe Lawson's going to have to earn it. We'll, We'll see. Yeah, uh, you know, going to, you know, whether it's nine or eight, that'll be interesting. I guess that's one uh, conversation to have there. Uh, I like what you said, though, about AJ Epinesa, because two guys this week finally signed or within the last week. You you, you had two former Bills signed with the Houston Texans, uh, obviously Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. And I, I feel like for the amount of time that they sat on the market, if the Bills were any anywhere serious about bringing them back, they probably would have done so or could have done so. Uh, so that really does speak to the fact that they want to give some of these young guys a chance, give them run up here on this roster. You know, Von Miller is going to have a, a big timeshare at one side and, and rightfully so you brought him in, you paid him a 
uh, six-year, $120 million contract to, to be that presence, to get after the quarterback, make plays. You invested a first-round pick last year in Greg Rousseau, so you want him playing significant reps. Uh, and then you mentioned that you have some young guys, though, that you still have to see more of. Boogie Basham, he was inactive a lot last year, Matt, but it felt like every game that he was out there, he made at least one impact play, splash play. Maybe it was a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Maybe it was a sack. He had uh, he, he compiled some sacks last year, especially when he was given those opportunities. And, and then Epineza, we saw, we saw that one game against Miami where he was just everywhere. He was getting off at the snap. Uh, better than just about anyone in the league that week, timing it correctly, whatever the case may be. And he was just a a force in that game. And then it just never really clicked again. But get him out there. Give him that rotation. Give him some snaps every week. And, and I think that would really help because that's part of the problem. If you're not giving these guys considerable playing time every week, even if it's 15, 10, 15 snaps, it, it gets them out of their groove. They need to have that. And I think that uh, these young guys are going to have a chance to really step up this year. I put a stat in the story. Uh, it was from Austin Gale of PFF. Uh, PFF does a good job on some of those um, advanced uh, stats. And he put out that the, the five highest pass rush win weights on third and fourth or more over the last two seasons. Number one, Rashawn Gary uh, with the Green Bay Packers, who's quietly kind of turned into blossomed into a pretty good pass rusher, which, you know, early on in his career, he got a lot of, uh, there's some impatience with him and he's kind of taken off a bit over the last two seasons. Miles Garrett, obviously at two, Joey Bosa at three, Max Crosby at four, Von Miller at five over the mm-hmm. last two seasons. Uh, pin your ears back, get after the quarterback. I threw that in because I think that excites people with, you know, the potential there, but all good points on the defensive line. And I think, Hodgins is interesting. You, you brought him up a little bit earlier and I, I have him not making the roster, but he's in that, that similar boat, right? Like that third year, we haven't seen really anything in regular season action. And so it's different than AJ Epinesa, right? The problem that I see for um, Hodgins path to a, to a role is that the bills went out and signed OJ Howard. And I think that a lot of the work that OJ Howard might get in this offense could have maybe been available to Hodgins had he not been here. And so it's a situation where as good of a camp as he has, they gave three and a half million dollars to OJ Howard to come in here. And I know they play different positions. I'm just be, I'm just talking about what they'll be asked to do in this offense. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins is pretty much a, a big slot receiver. He plays a lot from the inside. He's got some quickness, but it's his physicality, his size that lets him be effective against some of those smaller nickel cornerbacks. To be able to get on the field and do some of that, you're going to have to get, who knows, Jamison Crowder, Khalil Shakir, Isaiah McKenzie. You're going to have to get OJ Howard, a ton of guys off the field to be able to just get out there and have a chance to make some plays. And I just I just don't see that avenue to playing time for him and to make it worth keeping him. And so I had Kumaro as a cut. We could talk about that. Hodgins, Gentry, uh, the three uh, UDFAs. And then I had Diggs, Gabriel Davis, McKenzie. Jamison Crowder, Marquez Stevenson, and Shakir making the roster. But I've already mentioned my my little sneaking gut feeling on Jamison Crowder that I want to see the, the rest of this offseason play out before I really go all in on that take. But I, I definitely think there's going to be a challenge for Jamison Crowder when he gets to camp. 
And, and that's really interesting because um, my counterpoint to that would be the Bills have, have spoken a lot this offseason about the yards after catch. And, and that's the one thing that Jamison Crowder does do very well compared to, you know, the guy that he is going to be replacing in Cole Beasley. Uh, he, he does a good job of catching the ball and picking up those yards after the play. And if he can show that without suffering any lower body injuries this summer going into the regular season, I, I think that he's going to have a great shot uh, of making this roster, but I see where you're coming from. They do have a lot of bodies that can fit into that slot role. Obviously Shakir in the fifth round uh, seems like an absolute steal based on what, what we've seen, what we've read, what we believe as well. And then we know what Isaiah McKenzie can do too. So you, you do have a lot of guys vying for playing time out of the slot uh, that can be factors, but I, I think Crowder and, and what he does after the catch is going to be his saving grace as long as he can stay healthy. So that would be interesting to see. And I, I wonder how much of his decline in the yards after the catch last season with the Jets, because it was a it was a career worse for him. He had 176 total yards after the catch, three and a half yards, uh, yards after the catch per reception. Cole mm-hmm. Beasley, he averaged 3.7. So a little right. bit more than Crowder. I think he's getting a little bit older. I think his his body is breaking down a little bit, a lot like Beasley. I mean, Beasley struggled to stay healthy, and he was in a system here with Buffalo or an organization does a really good job at, at keeping guys on the field, keeping them healthy, uh, especially with those little nagging things, the soft tissue stuff, uh, some of the stuff that's hampered James Crowder. Maybe he gets in here and he gets back to being a version of himself. I mean, if you go back to... 2019 and 2020 that yards uh, after the catch per reception was up to 4.9 yards and 4.3 yards. So a lot better early on uh, there, but you know, I, I just have concerns about his age and you know, the fact that he has deteriorated a little bit, but maybe he does get bills. I think as a technician, that's where I feel like he probably separates himself from some of these younger players. Even McKenzie, who I think has come a long way as a route runner. I think, you know, I know he did a lot of his work, you know, uh, uh, against man coverage and, you know, just relying on his speed. But I do think, you know, I think there was one point last year where I did get a chance to talk to Cole and he had mentioned how much he's noticed Isaiah McKenzie's development as a route runner. But he's not going to be a better route runner than Crowder. And so he's going to have that advantage. Yeah, and the last thing on Crowder, and I know the Jets haven't necessarily had superstars in 2019 and 2020, uh, but the last year he was dealing with a rookie in Zach Wilson. He was dealing with uh, Mike White for a span of time. I think we all remember that time fondly when people thought maybe he was a franchise quarterback. And I think even Joe Flacco (laughs) was thrown into the mix for a, a few games there. So it was just kind of uh, maybe a year or two where the quarterback play wasn't great, the ball placement wasn't great, but we'll see at camp. We'll, we'll definitely see if age is factoring in, if, if this is something where maybe it was the quarterback play there. I'm interested to see how it all shakes out, but the value was certainly there in that contract that they ended up signing Crowder to as well, and that's an, another minor factor that will probably be uh, weighed in the ultimate decisions when it comes time in September. Tight end, uh, pretty straightforward. We talked about Sweeney a little bit. I went Dawson Knox, OJ Howard, and Sweeney with Morris and Weidemeyer uh, as the two men out. Let's get to the offensive line because this is a really interesting conversation. I had the Bills keeping 10 uh, for a few reasons. I think they always go heavy on the offensive line no matter what. Uh, Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morris, Roger Saffold, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Brown, likely your starting five. Then I got Questenberry as the next guy in, David Questenberry. I think he's your Mm -hmm. swing tackle at this moment. Uh, I think, you know, Tommy Doyle uh, played the role last year. I think they wanted to upgrade that. And, and Doyle will have a chance to compete for the job. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I have Questenberry first. 
Uh, Cody Ford, who I think in this situation right now, as we sit here in May, on May 11th, he's the number one depth guard off the bench. One of my hot takes, bold predictions is I think Ford is going to push Bates for that starting job. Mark my words. I, I know it's, I know people, there's going to be a lot of people that don't like to hear that. Uh, I just think from a physical perspective, if he truly is coming into this season healthy after dealing with all these nagging injuries the last couple of years, I sat there and watched Cody Ford week in and week out. I do the pregame show down on the field. So at 11, we get down there usually at 1045 and we go live at 11. It's usually when a lot of the players that aren't playing or aren't starting, they come out and do their work and people kind of go through the motions and they're not always out there. Cody Ford was out there every week. I mean, every week, the mental part of the game, it stood out to me, like the work that he was putting in, even when he, it wasn't his turn. And I think that stands out to them. And the way that Brandon Bean stuck up for him the other day, I think that their hope, they know, they know it's a big year for him. I think he knows it's a big year for him, but it's a contract year for him too. He's going to have every motivation to come into camp and prove that he's got a future still in this league. And, you know, I think they've hit Ryan Bates. It's going to be an uphill battle, but if you, if we landed uh, in game one, and Ryan Bates, the versatile Ryan Bates, who play all five positions, is coming off the bench again. I know that that seems crazy, but it, it wouldn't totally shock me, especially, especially if Ford and Aaron Cromer uh, really get together and hit it off. You, you know, and I do see some comments in here about Cody Ford, and, and I get that the play, the consistency hasn't been there. But really, what he's competing against is just how many numbers they, how many guys they carry, I guess, on the offensive line. He, he would almost have to be uh, abysmal in training camp for him not to make this roster. You look at some of the guys that you have as your cuts, Matt. Bobby Hart. Hart is kind of just a training camp body. Uh, you know, that's a guy that a lot of fans have have not been a big fan of. Uh, then you you have some Jacob Capra, Luke Tenuta, and then some you know other undrafted free agents that they brought in this year. There's not necessarily a viable opponent on the offensive line in general of those cuts that are a threat to a guy like Cody Ford, a former second round pick, uh, a player that Brandon Bean was really excited about going up and getting in that draft. If you remember the video, he thought that I think it was Carolina. He thought jumped in front of them to take Cody Ford. And he was very upset about it. Yes, we haven't seen it all come together yet. Uh, but there's a lot of hope that Aaron Cromer can can bring it together. As for the other guys you have, at least um, some of the players that aren't the stone cold locks, because a lot of those guys are Questenberry. You and I have both agreed he he is a great option to be that swing tackle for this team. A lot of experience, you know, played a big role last year on the field too, and I, I liked that signing quite a bit under the radar. Uh, Greg Mance, uh, another player that's versatile, has a lot of experience in this league. And then Doyle, they're not going to give up on Doyle unless he hasn't shown any improvement uh, from year one to year two. The athleticism is there. The size is there. You can't teach that height and that size and that athleticism. As long as he's shown improvement, you can stash him as your final offensive lineman. You don't have to worry about having him maybe come in and have to fill in for a start if they go down with injury when you have a guy like Questenberry. Uh, so based on the roster as it currently stands, I really like the 10 guys that you picked. Just a little note. Uh, we love all the YouTube commenters, negative, positive, whatever you got, bring it. Uh, just so you know, though, we do keep receipts around here on this show. So uh, I will be dropping my Cody Ford dunks on all of you because I'll be writing all these little names down and comments uh, when it, if it does play out. And if it doesn't, 
we're going to forget all about it because I'm the host and I get to do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it, you know, we, we've had some hits. We've had some misses over the years. This is just one thing, you know, I get to have conversations with, with, with people in the organization away from, um, you know, the, the cameras and everything like that. And this is just kind of a gut feeling, right? Like it, it's going to have to all work out. Like I, I remember going back to last year as Cody Ford was kind of fighting through how he thought the first two years of his career went and, you know, he's never really gotten a chance. Right. And now he's coming into this year with no expectation, Ryan, there's no expectation for Cody Ford to start week one. There just isn't. And I think that's going to be so freeing for him. He can come in here, put his head down, get back to camp, get back to Rochester, put his head down for two weeks and just try to impress Everybody in this coaching staff, including including Cromer, uh, Scott Moranto um, brings up, is for more of a gap power scheme guard or a zone guard. You know, the one thing I'll say, and I'm not going to get into that kind of uh, X's and O stuff. That's more of uh, uh, those cover one dudes and uh, Joe Marino. Uh, I don't break down film, but I will say this from a um, skill set perspective. I think Cromer likes guys that are a little bit more athletic that can get out in space. That hasn't always been Cody Ford's specialty. I mean, he's he's a bigger guy. His feet aren't always the best. And I think that that could be a detriment. But who knows? Maybe he comes in in the spring. They get, He gets together with Cromer. They, they come up with some type of workout plan. There's a reason they drafted Cody Ford, like you mentioned, where they did. The guy does have an ability to be a ro- – I remember one of the top bullets on his draft board, uh, scouting report, going to be a road grader in the run game in, in the NFL. The Bills are going, I mean, they bring in Roger Saffold specifically for that. Type in Roger Saffold's name on Twitter and go through all of the clips of film that are shared over the last couple of years on Roger Saffold. The guy just is a pancake machine. Now he's 34 years old. And so maybe, talking so much about Aaron Kroeber, maybe Roger Saffold could be a guy that unlocks Cody Ford a little bit. Like, listen, we have similar uh, body types. We have similar, uh, we need to do similar things at the guard position. Let me show you some tricks of the trade to get you kind of going in the right direction. Just, I'm just throwing some stuff out there just because I'm not ready to close the book on Cody Ford yet. I know a lot of people, they kind of get to year four of a rookie contract when it hasn't gone great. I think Shaq Lawson's sneaky, a good example. Why that, that's not always a, a great way to go about or approach these things. He really ascended in his final years and got himself that big contract. Yeah, you know, listen, I'm, I I love the bold takes. I'm not ready to sit here and say that Ford's going to win a starting job, but I think uh, you nailed it when you said that the kind of the, there's no pressure on him this year to, to be a starter. You feel like you have that starting five in place, but he can come in, be himself, show what he can do, and maybe then climb up that internal depth chart a little bit over the summer, make his case for why he belongs as a starter. You know, it kind of contradicts what I just said about no pressure, but this is his final chance with the Bills. Uh, If he doesn't really step up this summer, if he doesn't do enough this season, I don't see any scenario where they would bring this guy back into the fold. Uh, And it would end ultimately being a miss. But Ford is someone who has talent, someone that this regime believed in at one point in time. And, And with Aaron Cromer in the fold, someone who has gotten the best out of a lot of offensive linemen in his career, I'm at least interested interested to see what he can get out of Ford this year. I'm not running away from this one. This is one that everybody can come into the chat, <laughs> set up geez. one of, bring a buddy, bring a buddy into the chat. You know, those little, uh, those little basketball hoops that they sell at uh, the Nerf basketball hoops. They sell at Target. Oh, yes. 
buy one of those, give it to your buddy, have him walk up behind me, run straight at me, bring the nerf action and dunk on my face because that was one where I gave him the benefit of the doubt and Cam let me down. There was nothing left in that arm. There was no juice left. So that's fine. You can, you can dunk on me all day for that one, Maranto. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. The uh, defensive secondary wasn't too much of a surprise. Let's knock that out really quick. I think that's pretty much straight to the point. They put Cam Lewis on the practice squad the last two years. I think he's going to give Christian Benford a fight again, but they drafted him in the sixth round. Benford out of Villanova. They like his versatility. They think he can play inside in the slot. They think he can play outside if they need him. They think they eventually maybe even play some safety. Uh, I, I wrote down that I think Nick McLeod is, is sneaky, a, a wild card here. If Benford just doesn't look like he's ready and uh you know maybe there's an injury or something during camp or or preseason that could be a a, an interesting name to watch and i know you're high on josh thomas i am as well i just don't think it's gonna he's gonna have the juice to beat out hamlin and johnson johnson the special teams ace and um hamlin who i think honestly i think he's an heir apparent to one of those spots for poyer uh or hyde yeah no that's fair and listen cornerback those are some tough decisions, the cuts. I know, you know, Cam Lewis isn't a household name in the NFL or anything like that, but there was a time where the Bills were ready to give him the starting inside cornerback job over Taron Johnson, and then he got injured in that game, uh, never really ascended back to that potential starting role. Uh, so that would be a tough one to go. I do like those undrafted free agents from last year. Nick McLeod uh, brings some, some speed to that secondary Obviously, the Bengals liked him enough last year where they claimed him at, after cuts, and he was with their on their 53-man roster for part of the season. The Bills were able to bring him back. Elijah Griffin has a year in, in the system here. He's someone that uh, could come in with a lot of confidence after knowing that. Obviously, Harris is another name that's been here before, and, and then you have Fuller. So it, Benford is is that guy of the, of the cornerbacks on your list of players who made it. Yes, he's a draft pick from this year, but he's a sixth round pick. The, the Bills mm-hmm. could say, you know, we're going to cut you. We're going to put you on our practice squad. We're going to hope you don't get poached. Uh, but he does have to prove himself. This isn't an early day three pick. It's not a day two pick. And it's obviously not like Elam, a, a first round pick. He's far from a lot. So I still think there is a hope for a guy like Cam Lewis and McLeod and Elijah Griffin and company at safety. Yes, I, I am a big fan of Josh Thomas from what we saw from him last year, especially But you're right. There's already a lot of guys there in terms of the starting duo best in the league. And then those depth guys that they've had for a few years in the system, too. So it'll be an uphill climb for him. Not closing the book on that yet. Like I said, if that was my bold take, I guess it would be that Josh Thomas finds a way to sneak onto this roster um, at the safety position. But it's going to be tough with Hamlin and then Johnson already on the roster. Back to Ford for a quick second. Um, and I want to combine him a little bit with Zach Moss and we'll hit on running backs and then we'll move on. One of the things that sticks out to me too about this offseason and how the Bills have addressed the offensive line has been how little they have addressed the interior. Like they lost John Feliciano. They lost Daryl Williams, who by the way, is still out there. So don't forget about him. Um, I did hear way, it's not even a source source. It's just rumblings. I think I heard at some points that there, there was hope that the bills wanted to bring him back if they could, uh, if it worked out financially, I don't know if he wants to take a pay cut and there's probably going to be, if I'm Daryl Williams, I'm probably sitting out 
even as far as training camp. And if, if a guard goes down, I could probably sign a pretty decent one year deal uh, in a good situation uh, potentially and, and go from there. But if he's willing to kind of come in uh, and play on a lower contract, listen, I think that immediately upgrades that spot and you kind of put Ryan Bates back in that role. I know you don't, you just sign. It's, it's funny though. How do you view Ryan Bates, Ryan? Because I, I kind of just, I lean on the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like hot and cold on it. On one hand, I, I think that he earned the job last year. They gave him $4 million a year. I, I, I think you go in week one, you hand him the job, and you say keep it. But on the other hand, I know how much they they love his versatility. And so to have that coming off the bench, to be able to play center, to be able to – and I know Greg Mance can, but I think Greg Mance has to make this roster too. I don't know. I just I, I don't think that they did a lot on the interior. They lost more than I feel like they added. And I think part of the reason that – that was the case was because I still think there's a level of belief in Cody Ford. And I do agree with some of the commenters. This is his last chance. This is his last chance to make an impression this year. So we'll see. Yeah. For the Bates question, uh, he, he's earned the right to be the penciled in starter right now. When he was out there on the field, he, he looked great. Now there, there's questions though, Matt, the sample size, it's pretty small overall when, when you consider uh, how long it took to get him out there on the field. This is a different offensive line coach. This is a little bit different of a blocking scheme. How's he going to fit into that? It's not a lot that he's going to be a 16-game starter, but I liked enough of what I saw from him last year to believe that he's penciled in along with, obviously, Roger Saffold as the starting guards. Uh, But if they take a step, or if he takes a step back this year, maybe then he does move back to that, hey, he's this versatile guy. We can use him across the line in case of an injury. I just don't think they're going to start the year thinking that way based on what they saw from him, based on the fact that they said they said we're going to match the deal that the Bears gave him uh, at about $4 million a year over the course of quite a few seasons. I think there's a lot of internal belief that Ryan Bates can be an impact starter for this team for the next few seasons. Don't forget about the newsletter. The newest one, the newest edition is coming out tomorrow. Head over to Syracuse.com slash uh, newsletters. You can sign up for the Shout Bills uh, content newsletter will be delivered to your inbox every Thursday morning. Uh, we got two shows this week. We got a show planned for next week. We got OTAs coming up. A lot of fun things to talk about. And speaking of things that are coming up, Ryan, tomorrow, the schedule finally here. We get to plan the road trips. Let me ask you this. I know it's got to work out schedule wise. Is there any games that you think, all right, if it works out, I, I definitely want to try to, to cover that one on the road? Uh, season opener, if that is going to be against the Rams. I would love to cover that one. Hit up LA. Uh, there's, you know, there's obviously been a lot of, I don't even want to say speculation. There's, there's just been LA time saying, you know, it just makes a lot of sense now. Logically that it should be Bill's Rams after it was announced. The Broncos would be playing the Rams on, on uh, Christmas day. So I, I would like that. I'm, I'm down for another Thanksgiving Matt, on the road. I'm not going to lie. Uh, to you. I, uh Oh, uh Oh, you don't, I get it. I understand. It's tough. I was just about to say, I don't want my family to see this and be like, oh, he wants to miss it on the dinner again. I would miss my family, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the road trip great. for Thanksgiving break. You know, based on all the rumors on, on Twitter, Matt, they're, they're going to be the first NFL team to play two games on Thanksgiving. There was a rumor yesterday that they were playing the Ravens, and then today all of a sudden it changed the Lions. So Bills Mafia tomorrow, you know, you're going to get more credible reports, the, the beat reporters, you're going to hear – uh, some things get leaked out there. Obviously, though, we're going to know tomorrow night by 8 p.m. what's actually going on. But those are two that I would like. I'm not going to lie. I don't think I would do a road trip on, on Christmas. 
Uh, if that came to fruition, or if that would have come to fruition, uh, that would be a very tough sell on the family. And I don't even want to know what Caitlin said to you uh, if that was a potentially going to happen. Tim asked, what's your ideal Thanksgiving game time slot? Which I think is a great question. For me, it is a night home game because it would give me kind of like the morning and afternoon. Cause a lot of people eat Thanksgiving. Like I think we could probably work it out to where we eat Thanksgiving dinner at like two o'clock. Then I go down and cover the game, which would be great because that's one thing that is true. I mean, having the bills play on Thanksgiving, the last two of the last three years, it's been tough. Like um, my kids are young. It's a big holiday for the family. It's one of the reasons, you know, we moved back to have those kind of big holidays with the family. So I, I've kind of been like fingers crossed that it's that we that we skip this year, maybe go to next year. But, oh. you know, because nothing's worse than like remember last year we were going to the uh, to the uh, to the stadium. What is it called there? I was going to call it Superdome. Caesars Superdome. It is a Superdome. Uh, we were on our way over there and, and Caitlin called me in the car and Kennedy had. Luke was playing with my son and my yes. son like pulled her by accident, pulled her arm out of the socket. And so they had to like put it back in, end up all being fine. But I, as I'm driving to, on Thanksgiving day, I'm like dealing with this, this chaos. It was crazy. So from a personal level, listen, it's my job. I'll, I'll go and, and we'll have a great time. And Bill's mafia on Thanksgiving has been pretty su- stupendous in new Orleans and in uh, Dallas a couple of years ago. So yeah, if it happens, it'll be cool. But I think home game at night, like if it were to be the, you know, uh, uh, a home primetime game, that would be pretty cool. I'm going the exact opposite on the road at noon. We get an early Thanksgiving meal. We watch the game. <laughs> we do shout. We recover, maybe a little nap. And then we hit the streets of wherever they're at. And we have a good time watching the nightcap game at eight o'clock. That would be Detroit. So you want to go partying in Detroit? That's the I only. The, I don't know. The really, okay, fine. Let's. That's the noon only noon game we can do. We did a preseason game last year. We we saw the scenes, maybe singular scene uh, in De- in in Detroit. <laughs> but I am down. Listen, okay. where the stadium so here's, located? You know. All right, let me let's let's do a little prediction here. Let's do all it. Right. Uh, I, I've okay. Here's how I know. Something's about to happen because I got a little four unread messages down at the bottom of my screen. I got to un- unhook that from my phone because I could see when my wife texts me during the show. She's not <laughs> happy with you. I haven't brought it up yet, but I'm predicting that she's not happy with you. Here we go. Ryan, tell Ryan to stop speaking it into reality. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. All right. Let's do uh, Bill's primetime games. Uh, yes. What's our prediction here? Because I think you're looking at the Chiefs. You're looking at the Titans, obviously, and you're looking at the Packers. Um, those are my three predictions. Uh, what do you think? What do you, what do you think? And I think it ends up being at five primetime games. Oh, I was just going to say five. I, I think five prime primetime games. Uh, you, you'll probably have one division matchup mixed in there, whether it's the Patriots or the Jets or the, maybe or the, the Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah, maybe the Dolphins. Maybe the Dolphins Tyree Kill. Uh, big expectations there. I don't know if anyone uh, watched the video that the Dolphins shared recently. Tua threw a wonderful <laughs> duck to Tyreek Hill. That was Tyreek Hill was pretty much like waiting for a cab to come. By the time that thing landed, he had to stop in his route. To, and the you know kudos to the social media team for having the courage to actually share that video. Um, but yeah, that that would be a big time matchup too. So I'm going with five primetime games as well. 
I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with New England. They just love doing New England in prime time. Like it just, I think it just does numbers instead of Miami. And I think you do Miami on CBS, they'll be happy. Um, so that'll be one. The Titans, the Packers, um, the Chiefs, and then like the I, mean, I guess the Rams, right? Like potentially six, maybe even if the Rams is the opener. If that ends up being the case, then uh, I would go for six. I think the Bengals sneaky could mm-hmm. be. Burrow versus jo- uh, Josh Allen on uh, in prime time. Maybe it'll be six. Yeah, you, you know, the, listen, the Bills are a darling now to the national media f- based on their play the last few years, based on on the fact that th- they have pulled in very respectable ratings, Thanksgiving games, primetime games in general. So it wouldn't shock me this, but and they're the overwhelming Super Bowl favorite now, based on you know th- what the betters are doing. It wouldn't surprise me if five or six is that sweet spot for the Bills in terms of primetime games next year or this year, I should say. I dropped some fire out there today. Like sometimes like you're just sitting there, right? And you're just like scrolling Twitter and you're seeing takes. And obviously the the Tyree Kill thing uh, and Tua popped up on the social media. And I started thinking like, all right, the draft's over. Like, how do I see this this AFC right now as we're kind of going into the offseason program, the heart of it, and then we'll obviously get to training camp. And so I dropped my AFC power rankings, right? And, you know, honestly, not as not as much vitriol in the mentions and the comments as I thought there might be, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of read them off to you guys. And I'd like to hear, stop me, Ryan, where you disagree, because that's the conversation okay. that I think I'd like to have. All right, at number one, I had the Bills at number one. I think going into the season, they're the the uh, the Super Bowl favorites. I think they have the best roster in the NFL. Uh, I think they have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. And so with the changes uh, in KC with Tyreek Hill out, I know they made some additions. I have the Bills as the number one seed. Do you agree? I, I agree that they're a very logical choice to be the number one seed. Yes, absolutely. Who's your number one? No, the, the Bills. I, I agree with okay. that. Okay. Yeah, okay. I agree. Oh, you were saying it like it makes sense, but here's what I think. Okay, never <laughs> mind. Okay. Number two, and this is probably the one that got the most pushback. I have the Cincinnati Bengals, the def- defending AFC champs, in the number two seed. What say you? I, I look at the other teams that you have behind them, and I could make a case for a few. And I do think the Bengals are going to fall off a little bit. Listen, the, the, it's not the okay. AFC West where I think every team there, you can make a case for the most part for being a, a playoff contender. But I, I do think that Cleveland is significantly better. Now, now, how long is the Deshaun Watson suspension, if there is one? Do do, uh, do the Bengals avoid playing him once or both times in that scenario? Because th- those would be two very tough games if that's the case, uh, if he's active for both of them and can play in both of those games. Pittsburgh, yes, the quarterback is the big issue there, but they do have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball still. And then the Ravens. I, I just feel like a lot of fans forget how injury-plagued the Ravens were last year. Mm-hmm. When they're healthy, they're a very dangerous team. So I just think, the division as a whole is very tough. And I still think the Bengals are a playoff team. I'm just not sure that they're going to end up being the second best in the conference. So I'd probably have them in that three to five range, but it's hard to figure out who to put in, in two. I would probably go Kansas city just based on the respect of what they've done for the, the past few years, even though they lost Tyree kill and they traded him. Uh, I still think with Mahomes, I think with the way they address that defense, this, this off season, that they are a very good number two, AFC team. Okay. That's, that's fair. And I honestly, like, this is just where I'm kind of feeling at this point. Like I still have a lot of respect and love for Joe Burrow. I thought he was really good last year. Not so much 
the playoffs, there's a bit of a drop off, but listen, he get, he made plays when they need to make plays. I think Jamar Chase for my money is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. I, and people push back on that. I know, you know, you can make an argument for Devonte Adams. I get it. Cooper cup had that historic year last year, but I think we're about to see an even, even bigger explosion from chase in 2022. And the big reason why Ryan, the work they did on their offensive line, it's hard for me to think back to an offense like Okay, so Kansas City last year, you know, rebuilt their offensive line. They brought in Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney, and that ended up, you know, pretty much working out. They they had they got some good play down the stretch from that offensive line. I think the additions of Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins for the Cincinnati Bengals, man, that is just great work at what they needed to address the most. And if Joe Burrow has time back there now, if that pass protection is better. I think this becomes like a really scary offense. I mean, they were good last year. I think they're going to take another step this year. And I think they still have some playmakers on that defense. I'm a big Trey Hendrickson fan at this point. He's he's somebody that, listen, I learned a big lesson a couple of years ago, and I know that those edge rushers don't come along in free agency every few, uh, very often where, you know, they end up absolutely exploding the way that Hendrickson did last season. But Man, he was so good for them last year. He earned every penny of that contract. And to have a, a big-time pass rusher, some guys in the back seven that can make plays, I just still think they're a really good team. Yeah, and, and that's fair. There were games that I watched last year. The Bengals ended up winning. But I, I just said, man, how is Joe Burrow going to survive? He was getting just pummeled by these uh, opposing defensive linemen week in, week out because the, their line was very bad uh simply mm-hmm. put it's, it's very impressive that they made it as far as they did last year with that offensive line so if everything does come together yeah i can understand the logic of you having them at number two all right so casey i go the chargers at four i was i was actually toying with the, uh, the chargers at three just because of how great justin herbert is but uh, I'm, I'm gonna get with patrick mahomes you gotta to be the man you gotta beat the man right and they're gonna have to get past uh, they're going to have to make the playoffs, actually. That would be a good start. Um, Baltimore at five. To your point, there's kind of like a two or three position on the power ranking pendulum that they can kind of swing either way for me. Uh, I like what they did in the draft, uh, going to get into two tight ends. They've gone run, running back heavy. Uh, I think they made a couple moves in their offensive line. They're healthier. They don't have a lot of receivers, but when, they, when Lamar Jackson had his MVP season, they didn't really have a lot of receivers. They relied on those three tight ends. And I think that's the kind of way that they're going. I really like Las Vegas and I, I'm putting them at six with the potential for them to, you know, really skyrocket up a little bit, like as high as I could see them as high as three, which is, I know that might be a little bit too rich for a lot of people, but I think Devonte Adams makes that offense scary. I think that they have, you know, uh, the potential for, you know, sometimes when you have so much, drama around who your head coach is, you know, the whole thing with Gruden, even before that, just the show that Gruden brings to the, to the situation. That's a lot on a team. I feel like at times, and you know, they were in primetime games when they probably shouldn't have been. And so Mike Mayock's out. I think they got a little bit more, uh, a better situation there now. Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels gets another chance and, you know, he's got a quarterback. I, I think going from Mac Jones to Derek Carr is like Christmas morning for uh, Josh McDaniels. <laughs> Ooh, man, that's like getting underwear in your stocking either way. In, in my opinion, I'm not a big. Wow. I, listen, I, wow. I feel, Shots fired at DC yeah, out in I, Vegas. I had to look real quick when you were just talking to see if, if uh, David Carr didn't replace you. Like David Carr, Derek's <laughs> brother. David Carr is Derek Carr's hype man. This guy, it, 
thinks his brother is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I, I think he he has his moments, but I don't believe in him enough. I don't. And going back to another team you mentioned, the Chargers, I just think they're a cursed franchise. I know that sounds silly, but man, this team has so much talent. They had so much talent years ago and they could never get over the hump. They had so much talent last year and Justin Herbert was so great. It comes down to a game against the Raiders and they couldn't win that game. And it was a very entertaining game. It wasn't like they were blown out or anything like that. I, I just need to see them actually make the playoffs before I could have them ranked in the top four. Two teams that I think you had ranked too low. You ready? Yep. Indianapolis and the Denver yep. Broncos. Okay. I'll start with Indy. I still think Matt Ryan is a solid quarterback. I, I think he's in the same tier as a Derek Carr. Um, I don't think he's a superstar. I, I think he's a game manager. I think he's better, though, than what Carson Wentz brought to that team last uh, year. I don't think Derek Carr is a game manager. I don't think I, I haven't seen enough consistency from Carr in his career to say that he's anything better than that. I, he's better mm. than Mac Jones. He's a better game manager, but I don't see that superstar. I don't see a, a guy that can take over a game on his own. In my just in my opinion, there's a lot of talent on that defense, though. So the Raiders could surprise. But I think Matt Ryan is going to be able to help that offense along. I think they have a lot of talent on defense still. Uh, but Denver, man, you bring in Russell Wilson, you have uh, some really good young wide receivers. I like their one-two punch at running back. And then their defense is pretty scary as well on paper. So if there's one team that I think could push Kansas City in that division this year, it's the Denver Broncos. Uh, Derek Carr's stats aren't as impressive as I thought they'd have been. Well, up here. well, well. Yeah, I'm kind of gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. Listen, every once in a while, Talbot. Every squirrel. Every squirrel finds a nut. Every <laughs> once in a while, I think you found a, a pretty big acorn in the field because uh, he's never had. He's only had more than thirty touchdowns one time in his career. Yikes! Twenty three last season in seventeen games. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let you win that one. Uh, I, I should maybe uh, not be so high on the. I, I guess like I'm really interested to see what it looks like with Devontae. Adams. Yeah, and I get that. That's a so we'll significant see. upgrade, and they still have some talent, obviously, at wide receiver in addition to him. At, um, right, and they upgraded their defense, so they could. They're they're a threat in that division as well. All right, let's get to Bills minicamp. Uh, we will see all of the Bills drafted players, even the UDFA's. Somebody asked earlier when were the Bills announced the UDFA. FAs. That's usually right before yeah. minicamp. I mean, they're going to be out there. So I'd imagine we'll get a kind of a good look for that. Look, you know, make sure you're following me on social media. Uh, I'll have some videos of Kyer Elam, James Cook out there. Um, I think the person I'm most interested in seeing and, and just seeing him move, seeing how he looks out in the field, how he works. Uh, I'll be interested to see uh, Khalil Shakir. Uh, I, I think that's the guy that, you know, everybody else. At this point, um, you know, Terrell Bernard, that'll be fun to see him kind of run around a little bit. Uh, Balon Specter, I kind of want to see Judge in practice as everybody makes him out to be. Who are you looking forward to seeing the most uh, in this rookie minicamp on Friday? Yeah, uh, of the draft picks, James Cook. I'm really excited to see him in a Bills uniform, see how he does. You know, obviously catching the ball. I, I think they brought him in to be a souped up version of J.D. McKissick. So you're going to see him involved in the passing game. I, I'm interested to see how he, you know he looks in terms of that elusiveness as well when he gets some carries. Um, I like your pick of Shakir. I, I'm a big fan there. Even, you know, Kyrie Elam, too. But it, it's tough at r- rookie minicamp to get a good feel. I, undrafted guys. I'll talk a little <laughs> bit about them, too. 
Weidermeyer. I want to see what he looks like, how he performs. He tested so poorly at the combine. I think that really is the only reason he didn't get drafted. The production was there. Uh, and then last but not least, you know, I, I don't think he's going to make this roster. But Blackshear, the, another running back that they brought in uh, post-draft, I'm interested to see how he performs as well and how he looks out there on the field. Because he, he really liked the the bond or that relationship that he formed with Kelly Skipper pre-draft, the Bills running backs mm-hmm. coach. I'm really interested to see the demeanor and the this the general presence of Kyer Elam. You know, listening to uh, his coach was on, I think it was One Bills Live, and I was listening to that a little bit last week and just talking about his practice habits, the comparisons to Tredavious White, the personality similarities that Brandon Bean was talking about. There's an aura to the way that Tredavious White practices. And Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see if we see any of that out of Elam on the field over the next couple of days. And then throughout the spring, I mean, through we'll, we'll see three OTAs practices. We'll see two mini camp practices, mandatory mini camp uh, before the, the, the summer begins. And so I'm just interested to see, you know, if all of that lines up with how he approaches it every day and also to chronicle his evolution with the playbook and, you know, the scheme and his comfort level as we kind of approach camp, uh, how quick of a study he is, because that's going to be fun to talk to to him about as well. That's right. The, you know, the playbook was on the plane. So let's see how much studying he's done leading up to this and, and what he knows and how he looks out there. Definitely something to get really excited about. All right, we're going to be back on Friday. We are going to drop another podcast this week. We are going to recap the schedule release. We're going to recap um, uh, Rookie Minicamp, and we're going to get you into your weekend with two hours of shout uh, to get you through. A lot of people are going to be cutting their yard, uh, cutting their lawn this this weekend, mm-hmm. Ryan. You, you got to do your yard? Did you, have, you, have you gone one time with the lawnmower yet? Oh, yeah. I've gone uh, three times already this season. Three times. That's right. That's right. Um, I've been kind of letting it go, and my wife ended up just doing it because I I, I was waiting for the person. I don't like to cut the grass when it's, like, muddy at all. And so I've been waiting for all the rain to kind of dry out a little bit. I have an electric lawnmower, so it doesn't doesn't do well in that that scenario. So we haven't done the backyard yet at all because it's been way too wet. I'm going to probably get after that tomorrow. I think we've had enough dry days where uh, I should I, I should, uh, should take a video of that sometime. It's fun to watch me do the backyard. There's a lot of swear words. Maybe it's not fun. Maybe it's not safe for work. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe not. Uh, we will be back on Friday night. I'm excited for that. Don't forget, sign up for the newsletter. You'll get everything delivered to your inbox tomorrow. If you, if you don't even want to click on the 53-man roster projection, you want to just deliver to your inbox, sign up for the newsletter and it'll be there tomorrow morning. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. See you Friday. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.